Okay. So tonight we're going to be talking about the different levels of the soul. We're going to define what those levels are. And we're going to talk about how those levels of the soul correspond with the levels of the universes. And how the soul then comes down into the world. This is a very big subject and it's going to take more than one session. So, first of all, we look at, if you look at the whiteboard, you'll see, starting at the bottom, this is the, the first level of the soul, and you have it that the, it's the part of the soul that actually animates the body. It's the part of the soul in which it says the soul is in the blood. This is the nephesh. And then above the nephesh is ruach. And then above that is Nishama and Chaya and Yechida. So, in English, Nefesh means soul, literally. Ruach is spirit. So when we talk about like Holy Spirit, we see say Ruach HaKodesh. And uh, Nishama is breath. It's from the word Nishima. He breathed into us a living soul. Then Haya is living essence, and Yahida is unique essence. So these are the levels of the soul, and it is um, it's de definitive. And every all of us have these levels. However, we're not all aware of these levels. And within these levels, we have levels. So within Nefesh, you have. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, uh, and Yechida. Within each one of these, you have these over again. And so that gets more complicated, and I'm not really going to go into that, because that gets really, really um, bogged down and complicated. So right now we're going to keep it simple, and I'm just going to talk about the levels of the soul. So now, just one moment while I go to the next... The next... Um, page. Now each of these levels of the soul corresponds with one of the universes and indeed each of the levels of the soul emanates from one of these universes. So the nefesh emanates from the universe called Asiya and that means completion. Ruach emanates from Yitzira which means formation. When we read the story of the creation of the world, if you read it in Hebrew, you'll notice, and even in English sometimes, in a good translation, you'll notice that there's the word create and then form. And it's in Hebrew, Yitzira, and, and this is an emanating from this world of Yitzira, and then Berea, that actually the world came down through the universes to become physical. Physicality came down through the universe and it was translated into physicality. Then you have, and the Shama corresponds with Berea, it emanates from that universe. Chaya, the living essence, emanates from Atsilut. Atsilut is the level of the throne. And we're going to go more into detail with all of these things later, but right now I just want to get some definitions. And then you have Yechida, which is unique essence, and this corresponds to Adam Kadmon. It's so high 
that it's almost beyond us to even think that it exists. And I'm going to, and when you see the next slide, you're going to see what I mean by that. Now, most people, each one of these is a part, like I said, of every single person. So you can kind of think about your body is down here or down here. And the body is called the shoe of the soul. So within the soul, in, within the body, is the nephesh. And it's animating the body, the animal part of the nephesh, which lives in the blood, is animating the body. Now that animal side of the soul is the same animal soul that animates animals. But there's also the nephesh part of the soul that is a divine part that the animals don't have. That's in man. And of course, animals don't have ruach, neshama, chaya, and yachida at all. But the way it works is almost everybody in the world today is aware on the conscious level of nephesh. Now you would look at this and you would think, wow, you know, um, it's a little hard for us to believe that. But like I said, within Nefesh, you have these levels over again. So you could have a very high level of Nefesh and still be Nefesh, still be starting out. And then in Ruach, you get like this action because it's spirit, it's whew, it's wind. And so Ruach is where the prophets operated. So it's pretty high level. And they, they were connecting from they were this part of the soul emanates down from the universe of Yetzira. Within Yetzira, I'm just giving you a little brief um, going over this before we go into a little bit of text here. The in Yetzira you have a mixture of of um, angelic spirits and demonic spirits. And so this level of the universe is kind of a dangerous place. And so a person can be operating in Ruach and he can be having a lot of spiritual action going on, but it's kind of a dangerous place to be because you don't always know if maybe you're being deceived. So it takes somebody with a really uh, strong attachment to Hashem to be sure of not being deceived. And even some people who really operate on seemingly a high level compared to all of us could actually be deceived. I mean, it's hard for us sometimes to believe that, and it's painful for us to believe it. But this area is a very dangerous area. And then when you come above this area, you're out of the danger. And so in the book of um, Inner Space, it's actually written about meditation and he talks about going up through these universes in meditation and how we're blocked at this time we can't go very high and then the, the Haya by this time a person really wouldn't even be in our world because he's too high he's like above sin so it's just these first three levels and even this level is pretty high and that level is like unbelievably high but it's only these first three levels 
for which a person is incarnated into our world. These top two levels are just beyond it. When a person is on these two levels, they don't have to be here anymore. So, for all intents and purposes, we really only talk about these first three. And like I said, you can be, have a very high level of nefesh and be very high. And then by the time you're in Ruach, it's really very powerful. But you have to be careful because of that connection to Yetzirah. Now, we're going to the next slide. Now, in these levels, these levels also correspond to the letters of Hashem's name. And this slide I'm going to leave up. So this first level corresponds to the last hey of Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Then the next level corresponds to the Vav, and then you have the hey, and then you have Yud is the level of Atzilut, and then you see what I was saying about Adam Kadmon and Yechida, it's so high that it's even above the Yud. It's the apex, it's the crown of the youth. And so this is important for us to understand this before we start. So as we think about these levels of the soul, there is a very popular analogy um, among the teachings of Kabbalistic ideas of a glass blower. Oh. And the glass blower first decides that he's going to make this vessel. And so this first decision, it's his will. And it corresponds with Yechida. So it's the uniqueness. It, it corresponds also with the universe of Adam Kadmon and the apex of the Yud. Next, you see the glass floor himself. The glass floor himself before he blows out. And this is the level of Chaya, the living essence. And it corresponds with the universe of Atzilut and with the letter Yud. So this is the universe at Silut, where the life force is still within the realm of divine. And it parallels, of course, like I said, with the Yud. So this is the, the level of the divine before the... Here we have the will, and here is the glass floor himself. Next, you have the breath. Nashima, and it corresponds, of course, with the um, mouth of the glass floor, and it flows as a pressurized wind, ruach, through the glass blowing pipe, expanding in all directions and forming a crude vessel. And the wind finally comes to rest 
And in Hebrew, nefesh is also related to the word rest, which is nefesh, in the completed vessel. So, you see this as being a way, you know, that the soul came down into the world. So the highest level of the soul is not yet separated from its divine source. They're still within the lungs of the glass floor. From Hashem's point of view, they're internal aspects of man's soul. While the lower level of the soul, levels of the soul, are external parts, externalizations. So does that kind of make it a little bit clear about how that, uh, how they relate to each other? Okay. Now, I'm going to go into more of a definition of each level now. The lowest part of the soul is the nephesh. It interfaces with the physical body. And this is the level where we are able to accept spirituality that God desires to give us. Hence it parallels the hand that receives. It's like um, when you have the hand that receives. Here you have the yud is like a coin. This is the hand giving, the hay. And this is the reaching out the arm. And then this is the hand receiving that coin. And so this part of the nephesh is the part of the soul parallels with this hay, which is like a, um, the hand that receives. So nephesh is receptacle, just like it's the, the vessel in which the, the soul comes into. The nephesh is a receptacle. It's on the level of nephesh that a person gains awareness of the body as a receptacle for the spiritual. It's only possible, however, when one is able to isolate himself from the constant stream of internal and external stimuli that occupies his thoughts. Awareness of the spiritual thus necessarily begins by quieting down the awareness of the physical. It is for this reason that this part of the soul is essentially passive rather than active. Before one is ready to experience the powerful influence of Ruach, the next one here, all static must be tuned out. This is also suggested by the term nephesh, which literally means resting soul. So it's, like I said, related to the word nephesh, which means rest. The second level of the soul is Ruach. Ruach is wind, blowing down to us from God's breath. This wind is seen as the connection between God's mouth, as it were, and the person. It's like the pipe that's coming down from the mouth of the glass blower, and this wind is coming through it. So there's a lot of action going on before it comes to rest in the receptacle. Therefore, it parallels with the vav of the tetragrammaton. See, the vav is like a pipe. It's straight. It looks like a pipe. And it denotes connection and transition. Now, remember when we were talking about the prayer of Moshe? 
and I was talking about how in the middle of the word rafe is the pay and the atbash, the opposite letter of pay in the alphabet is what? It is vav. And so this vav there also in the center of that word of ruach, which means healing, is a symbol of a couple of things. One thing was the staff of Moshe. And another thing was is the spinal column. So both ideas, the pipe that the wind comes down through, the staff of Moshe and the spinal column has this idea of connection. Connection of ourselves with Hashem. All of these are symbols of connection. When the air around us is at rest, what are we aware of? We're aware of air when there is wind. Similarly, we are aware of the sea of spirituality that surrounds us when we experience a level of ruach, which is like a spiritual wind in motion. So here's the ruach, which is like, and it means spirit or it means wind. At this level, a person goes beyond the quiet spirituality of nefesh and feels a completely different kind of motion in this state of consciousness, information can be communicated. One can see visions, hear things, and become conscious of higher levels of spirituality. Reaching the level of Ruach, one feels a moving spirit rather than a quieting one. At the highest levels, this becomes the experience of Ruach HaKodesh, of divine inspiration. This is the prophetic state where a person feels himself completely elevated and transformed by God's Spirit. So this is the state, this is the level of soul in which the prophets experienced the movement of the Spirit of Hashem. They experienced this divine revelation on the level of Ruach, a lot of activity. And the next level up is Neshama. The level of Neshama you would experience divine breath. Now think about this for a moment that when the animals were created they were created from and I'm talking about the land animals that were created on the same day as human beings were created and they were created from the soil of the earth the same way as mankind the same way as Adam but they were created living beings right from the soil of the earth whereas man was not created a living being until Hashem, what? breathed into him and so their creation and man's creation was different in this respect that their soul, their nephesh their animal soul that animated them actually emanated from the earth and man's soul, even the nephesh part of his soul did not emanate from the earth even although his body did this is how man is different from the animals that his body emanated from the earth yes but his soul was breathed into him he did not become a living soul until Hashem breathed into him so the idea of the glass blower the analogy of the glass blower is very appropriate and we can see our bodies as being this receptacle into which he blew he blew into our into Adam and he made him a living soul as he blew this soul the spirit into him 
So on the level of Nishama, you would experience this divine breath. This is the vessel that holds the spiritual nature that God wants to give us. Hence it can be said to parallel the hand that gives. And so here is that hay in the analogy of the hand giving the coin. The yud is the coin. The hand that gives is the hay. And then the arm extended is the vav, like the pipe, like the staff of Moshe is the vav. And then the hand that receives is the other hay. And so this, on this level of neshama, is the hand that gives. The first hay of the tetragrammaton. Now on this level you not only become aware of spirituality, but also of its source. So there's no mistaking. There's no deception. Remember how I was saying in the level of Yetzirah there's a mixture of the good and the bad. But when you come to Berea, it's a quiet. Quiet. And there's not the mixture anymore. You're above all of that. So you're aware not only of spirituality, but you're aware of its source. And this is exactly the difference between breath and wind. See, so you have breath with neshama and you have wind with ruach. Feeling a breeze on a hot summer day is pleasant, but it's very different than having someone you're very close to breathe down your neck. This bears a certain intimacy. Hence the level of neshama is when a person gets to the, ver the level of a very close intimacy with God. According to our analogy, we could add that the glass blower needs a tube in order not to burn his lips. He cannot blow directly into the molten glass because the substance of his body and the material with which he is working are incompatible. But in the same way, we need ruach as an intermediate link between neshama and that part of the soul that rests inside the material of the body. And so here the Ruach is the interface between Neshama and Nefesh, just like you have this Vav as the interface between these two, um, the upper He and the lower He. And so you have that analogy of that pipe of the Vav connecting the two. So in the same way, the Ruach connects these two. It's an interface. As we've mentioned, the basic idea in Kabbalah that two levels which are similar can be close because there's no real distance. And so when we say close or far away in Kabbalistic terms, we're not talking about distance. We're talking about similarity or something that is dissimilar. Since there is no concept of space, spiritual dimension, closeness can only be defined as resemblance. Conversely, when two levels are different or opposite, they are said to be distant or incompatible. This necessitates the concept of a spiritual connector to bridge the gap between dissimilar levels. Neshama and Nefesh represent respectively the two opposite concepts of giving and receiving. So you have the hand that gives and the hand that receives. And in the same way, 
the neshama is connected to the to Hashem, who is the ultimate giver, and the nefesh is within us, who are receiving from Him. They're spiritually opposite and therefore distant from one another. In our context, they can be defined as um, thesis and antithesis. Antithesis. Thus, ruach, which represents the transmission of spiritual energy, is the synthesis which links the two. So we have all of these ideas, and even to the point of thinking about it, I mean, interestingly, even the vav corresponding with your spinal column as being a linking of, of the receptacle, of coming down as a connector of spiritual energy that we sometimes will um, pick up on that we will perceive through the spinal column and this is represented by this above uh, if you want to go further than Nishama, so we're going up here to the upper two and these two are a little bit difficult for us to grasp and a little bit difficult for us to even define because they're so high but these definitions are going to be important because as you go into different concepts, into different contexts of Kabbalistic ideas, you're going to find even these levels will be um, levels of redemption. The when the redemption comes, that will start with, um, and it's called tikkun. Redemption is also called tikkun, which means repair. So it will be tikkun nefesh. Tikkun Ruach, Tikkun Neshama, Tikkun Chaya, Tikkun Yachida. And this is levels of healing of ourselves individually and healing of all of the world, which is essentially what the redemption is all about. And so we have that on a microcosm scale of ourselves individually and then on the macrocosm scale of all of creation of healing on these five levels. So we're going to go to the upper two and we're going to define it as best we can. Getting back to the analogy of the glass floor, if you have the breath, the wind, and finally the air settling and forming in the vessel, what would come before the breath? The air when it's in the blower's lungs. So here is Chaya the very life force of the blower and that's why it's called Haya living essence the life force the air when it's in the blower's lungs the very life force of the blower and this is why Haya is called living essence it's the fourth level of the soul but is not yet separated from the blower is actually the experience of being within the realm of divine. So this is why it corresponds with atzilut, which means nearness. And finally, what would be the level beyond that? One can think of it as the decision to blow in the first place, getting into the very psyche of the blower, the unique idea he has of creating that would be on the level of Yahida, the unique ex, um, essence. This is Adam Kadmon, before it's the level of will. The highest of the five levels. 
And beyond that, you're in the realm of the unimaginable. Even when we get up to Yehida, we can't even touch it with our imagination. It's so beyond us. So now let's go and we'll talk about for a little bit these very uh, these different lo levels of the universes. Now we start at the bottom. Well, let's start at the top. So the top with Adam Kadmon relates to will, just like we were saying from the glass floor, where he makes a decision that he's going to make this vessel. And then in the next level is mind. And the next level is thought and the next is speech and the next is action so if we were going to say the levels that we could really talk about um, doing tshuva where we could actually have sin in our lives it's these first three it's action, speech and thought it's where sin occurs where we really need to do tshuva. When we get up to these upper levels, it's almost beyond it. But let's think about these upper levels and all of the universes so that you can get a little bit of a definition of what exactly they mean. Adam Kadmon is a little bit hard for us to even connect with, to even define, because it's so high. One of the basic axioms of Kabbalah is that nothing can be said about God himself. It's for this reason that God is called Ainsof, which literally means one without end or limit. God is infinite and therefore undefinable and uncharacterizable. He is limitless being and existence before the act of creation as well as subsequent to it. Even conceptually there is no category in existence which can define God. That's why it says in uh, the Zohar, that's what it means, no thought can grasp him. On the level of Ein Sof, therefore, nothing else exists. Ain self means no end. There is no end. Self is end and Ain means none. No end. Every concept and category associated with existence must be created from nothing. The primordial will to create is the first of these categories. According to the Kabbalists, the level of Adam Kadmon refers to this profound concept of God's will which constitutes the underlying basis for all further existence. So first we have will. And when we talk about creation from um, Genesis, this is a very important concept that first, before there was anything, before we could even say Genesis 1-1, there was will. Hashem willed to create. Since no quality can be ascribed to Ein Sof, it follows that if God has or uses will, he must have created it. 
the Zohar explicitly states that God does not have will in any anthropomorphic sense rather to the extent that we can express it in order to create the world God had to will the concept of creation into existence in order to do this he had to create the concept of will this of course leads to an ultimate paradox for if God is going to create will this in itself presupposes an act of will this means that going back to Ainsof to God himself involves an infinite regression this is the area where we we don't even talk about anything Ainsof we get into this area where it is like it is nothingness nothingness that's why it's so hard for us to even conceive of it even talk about it for this reason Adam Kadmon serves as a kind of interface between the infinite creator and the finite creation Hashem had to create the vessels through which he created as such it constitutes an almost complete oneness with the divine light that flows into it and cannot be properly called a universe so that's why when we talk about the universes normally we don't even associate Adam Kadmon with the universes which is just like beyond it that's why it corresponds with the apex of the Yud it's not an actual letter it's so sublime that it can be spoken of as completely attached to and united with the infinite Ein Sof it's because of this proximity to Ein Sof that Adam Kadmon also is referred to as Ein Nothingness it's almost like a double negative it is not a nothingness which implies a lack of existence there is no deficiency in the Ein only fullness beyond the capacity of any created being to experience directly rather it is nothingness because of the lack of a category in the mind in which to place it Ain is therefore only nothingness relative to us it is the nothingness of ineffability and hiddenness it is no thing because it is so much more rarefied than the something of creation in this sense like God himself it is ultimately unfathomable and beyond our ability to comprehend on the other hand God's will permeates the entire system of creation the continued existence of creation in fact depends entirely on God's willingness since only God exists in an absolute sense everything else exists because God wills its existence continually a human architect can design and construct a building and then forget about it but God's creation is more than that nothing can exist without God constantly willing it to exist without this it would utterly cease to exist finally Adam Kadmon alludes to the ultimate purpose of creation the term itself is an anthropomorphism meaning literally primordial man the Kabbalists explain this when they tell us that the very first ingredient in creation 
was the thought of Adam or humanity. Though man was last in the external order of creation, the thought of man precedes creation. He is the original purpose and intention for which the entire building was constructed. The thought of man is therefore called kadmon, primordial. The first manifestation of God's purpose is thus called Adam Kadmon, the primordial will that preceded all creation and hints to its ultimate goal. So as best as we can describe this, that's the highest level of which we can we have um, we speak of. And of course, Ain Soap is even beyond that and we can't even conceive of it. We can't really conceive of Adam Kadmon, but that's the highest that we go. Then the next is Atsilu. It's thus further removed from uh, Ain Sof. It's the universe of Atsilu and it receives its existence via Adam Kadmon, but in lesser measure. The identical light of Adam of Ain Sof is revealed in Atsilut at a lesser intensity. Atsilut, however, is still in such proximity to Ain Sof that it is fully absorbed in the divine. For this reason, Atsilut too is referred to as Ain, nothingness. It is the nothingness that lies beyond the limits of human consciousness. So that's why I'm saying here that when we get to the levels of Haya and Yahida, it's levels of the soul that don't even have to come into this world when a person is reincarnated he is working on the levels of his soul and once he has finished with the first three levels the nefesh, ruach and neshama that he has completed those levels he doesn't have to come back into the world because he is to this point of being a part of he's a part of Hashem and he doesn't have to come back the concept of Atsilut is very different. One could, it could be characterized as the level of reality that does not yet exist. We exist within time and our normal framework of thought is within time itself. Hence the only things that are real to us are things that exist at the same time we do. Thoughts have an existence in our mind. They exist in the present. Somebody who is going to be born a thousand years from now does not exist as far as we're concerned because our whole thought process and our whole existence is in time. Yet for a divine being who exists beyond time, there could be a reality of the present and of the future as well. The reality is not in the present, however, so it does not exist for us. The term atsilut is derived from the root itself, meaning nearness. This is because Atsilu, relative to all that follows it, is closest and represents the most direct intimacy with the divine. Atsilu corresponds to the Yud of the Tetragrammaton and the level of Chaya, divine essence. As such, it is the essence of existence that God desires to bestow to his creation. Atsilut 
is the domain of the spherot. And we'll get into that, not probably tonight, but later. Here again we have God's will, and in addition his wisdom, understanding, love, power, kingship, and so on. These refer to the various concepts, qualities, and attributes that God uses to create and oversee his universe. These are the vessels that Hashem created in order to create, that he used to um, filter the light of his essence into creation. As such, they're basic ingredients of creation. In Atsilut, however, these basic concepts or axioms are undifferentiated. The Sefer Yitzira thus refers to them as the ten ineffable spherot or the ten spherot of nothingness. It is only when they're closed in the lower universes that they can be conceived as separate forces. So in each one of these universes there is the ten sphere and that is another whole subject in itself and I'm not going to go into that now because that gets very involved and later the universe of Berea creation is below and receives its existence via the, the domain of Atsilu it is in Berea that the effects of the original Tsimsum or it was the constriction through which Hashem created because at, at first all of the universe was fill, full of his presence therefore there was no room to create so he created a space within which he could create and so it was a space that he vacated and that is what is called Tsimsum it was the act of his vacating that space and then he put a stream of light into that vacated space through which he created and that was when he said um, let there be light the stream of light came in and through that light he created while Adam, Kadmon and Atsilut are considered the realm of Yichud or unity the universe of Berea is the beginning of Perud independent existence and separation the term Berea derives from the Hebrew root bara meaning to create and the Aramaic bar meaning outside or external it's for this reason that Berea indicates the concept of creating something completely new and distinct a creation ex nilo in Hebrew this is designated as Yesh Mi'en literally something from nothing and we have to really understand these levels of creation of the whole world in, in relation to our own uh, levels of healing so that we understand what these terms really mean relative to Atsilu which is called nothingness and ineffable Berea is separate and outside the realm of divine Berea also corresponds to the first hay of the tetragrammaton the hand that defines and makes existence accessible it is therefore through this level that we begin to relate as independent entities to God 
It is in the universe of Berea that the level of Nishama breath originates. Nishama thus represents a certain degree of separateness from God. At the same time, the level of Nishama implies an intimate awareness of the divine. As mentioned on the level of Haya, individuality as such ceases to exist. It is the Ain, nothingness, that our minds have no ability to grasp. Nishama, on the other hand, is the beginning of Yesh, somethingness, an independent existence. It is a Yesh, however, that means something, there is, it's Yesh, that is aware of and can bind itself to the Ain, the nothingness, that precedes it. The universe of Berea is also called the universe of the throne. In general, the concept of a throne, when used with respect to God, indicates a sense of lowering as he seats himself. The person sits down, he lowers his body. So similarly, when God sits, he lowers his essence to be concerned with his creation. As we shall soon see, when the Bible speaks of God's throne, it's speaking of the vehicle through which he expresses such concern. And this vehicle is in the universe of Berea. So when we read about the vision of Ezekiel, where he talks about the throne of Hashem with the, with the living creatures around it, this is the universe of Berea. Now in the universe called Yetzira, which is the next one down, Yetzira, comes from the word Yetzar, meaning to form. Yetzira thus denotes the formation of something from substance that already exists. Yesh mi yesh. Something from something. Now Yetzar, when you, you think about when we say Yetzahara, Yetzar Tov, we're talking about your inclination to good or your inclination to evil. This is from this word, Yetzira. And this is a word for also imagination. That we imagine, that we take something from something, that we're forming it in our minds. The level of Ruach corresponds with the angelic world of spiritual forces that lies immediately beyond our physical domain. So, Asiya is our physical domain, and then Yetzira is right above us. When speaking of the creation of the worlds, God says through the prophet Isaiah, I form Yotzer, light, and I create Bore, darkness. That's in Isaiah 45, 7. Here again, the concept of creation means something from nothing, while formation is something from something. Darkness is a completely novel concept and has no relationship to God. It is therefore created something from nothing. Light, on the other hand, emanates from God's essence and is therefore something from something. In general, thought is said to be on the level of Berea creation since thought is something from nothing. 
speech, on the other hand, is emanating from thought, which is something from something, and therefore on the level of Yetzirah, formation. When Isaiah says, God forms light, this is an exact parallel to the Torah statement in Genesis that God said, let there be light. The phrase God said indicates the level of speech, which is itself the level of Yetzirah. There is no place in the account of creation, however, that does state, God said that darkness should be created. Darkness, therefore, does not involve speech, but only thought, which is the level of Berea. In the Torah, it thus says, And darkness is on the face of the deep, in Genesis 1-2, without any mention of saying. It was already existed, it was already there, it was in the level of thought. And the last level of the universe is Asiya. The term Asiya derives from the root Asse, meaning to make. Asiya, therefore, has the connotation of final action and completion. Corresponding to the level of Nefesh, it represents consciousness of the world as a vessel that was made to receive God's light. It is in the universe of Asiya that the spiritual actually interacts with the physical dimension, bringing the entire continuum of five universes to its intended fulfillment. The entire statement that Isaiah makes concerning God's creation of the world is, I form light and create darkness. I make Asa, peace, and create Bore evil. Isaiah 45 7. Creation is generally said to refer to the very first step creating something from nothing. Making on the other hand refers to the completion of the concept. It's therefore written that God creates evil thus equating evil with darkness. Similar to darkness which is the restraint and constriction of light the possibility of evil had to be created something from nothing. Before the original tzimtzum, the constriction, there was nothing but the light of the infinite being. God's very infinity, however, precludes the existence of anything which can receive the essence of life that he wishes to give it. It was therefore necessary to create something completely different and opposite from himself, this is the concept of constriction, which is here called darkness and evil. Darkness, constriction, allows for the existence of a finite world where God's presence is absolutely undetectable and both good and evil can operate freely. This in turn sets the stage for a creature far removed and opposite from God who can resemble him by freely choosing light over darkness, good over evil. The very existence of evil, in fact, is solely in order to be transformed by man in the act of choosing good. Through this struggle, man attains shalom, peace, and unifies himself and creation with God. 
And so this brings us back to the whole idea of why there's suffering in the world. And it's all this interplay. It's all of this idea of the choice between good and evil. The consequences that result from that. And from all of this, because this is something that would be alien to Hashem, that he created the the um, possibility for it. He created the possibility of these consequences through creating darkness and evil. It set the... the it set the stage for these possibilities, for these consequences. And it's from this that we have suffering and illness and so on. And as we do the tikkun, as we do the repair to the damage that was caused by choosing evil, it brings a healing. And that's what we're going to go into in more depth later. But right now, I'm glad that we had the chance to get through all of these definitions that we had so far. We went through it pretty quickly. Um, does anybody have any questions at this point? Ain Sof uh, only uh, referred to God, or is that a is that a thing that uh, that uh, is in uh, humans as well, or is that only a definition for Hashem? No, that only refers to Hashem, and that is the level of Hashem that is above Adam Kadmon. It's above the Yudhe Vavhe. It is beyond everything. It's nothingness. It's the level of nothingness. And that has nothing, it does not refer to us at all. Okay, um, all of these, this text that I was going through is found in a book by Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan um, called Inner Space. Actually, the crown, what we would say, Keter. Um, corresponds with Yechida because the crown itself is a sphera that was created by Shem. Ein Sof is even above Keter, even above the crown. Yes, and that was what I was um, referring to is this book called Inner Space by Arya Kaplan. And this is where this text that I referred to in this introduction is found. But some of the other books that I'm going to be using in this class do refer to these terms, but without explanations. And so I wanted to go into the explanation to the definitions of each one of these terms so that you can kind of be on top of what's being said as we go into them in more detail later. So it's interesting to also note that not only did Hashem create the sphero, He created the universes, He created the levels of the soul, all of these things that we're talking about. He also created the names by which we refer to Him that correspond with those attributes of the spherot. 
So even the names of Hashem are creations. Hashem Himself is beyond, beyond our concept, beyond our being able to even touch Him with our minds. And so He created the names, He created the Spherot, so that there would be these uh, vessels through which He could relate to the creation. So does anyone else have a question or a comment? Glenn, did you want to say something? No, I apologize. I was uh, trying to highlight something and uh, with the control button for some reason the mic was coming on. So it was just computer error on my part there. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you had a comment or a question that you wanted to uh, say. So, I guess that's going to be the end of uh, the class for tonight. And I thank you for joining me in this class. And next week we're going to continue with, uh, with this line of learning. Rabbi Ginsberg, in his book called Body, Mind, and Soul, refers to the various levels of the soul, and that's why I wanted all of us to have an understanding of what those levels are. And I'm going to refer to his book as well as the book that we began with, Rabbi Nachman, and there's a lot of reference to these terms in his book as well. So. Okay, thank you, and thank you for joining me, and I'm looking forward to continuing the class next week.